0: Locked On Nets. Your daily podcast on the Brooklyn Nets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every Locked On Nets. Your team.
1: And welcome into a Wednesday night edition of the Locked on Nets Podcast. We're Crab people now. Josh, how are you doing?
0: Gavin, uh, I'm doing very well. We just spent a weekend in D.C. together, and I can officially announce that it was to recruit John Wall and Bradley <laughs> Beal into Brooklyn.
1: And, and how'd those efforts go, Josh?
0: You know, it's a work in progress, Gavin, <laughs> uh, but we have some other good perimeter players to talk about, including a new addition to the team, Alan Crab.
1: Yeah, before we, before we get into that, uh, I want to Quickly uh, apologize for the lack of episode in the last week. I know we were on a long hiatus. Uh, I started a new job and got sick simultaneously, which is a, which is a death sentence for uh, me being productive and doing this podcast. And Josh was uh, was creatively lounging.
0: And yeah, it's um, a word for it. Word for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and, and we were in DC and we were we were trying to trying to get John Wall. Anyways, as uh, Josh just hinted at slash uh, expressly said. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets acquired Alan Crabb from the Portland Trailblazers yesterday for the small, small price of uh, Andrew Nicholson. And uh, for anyone who forgot, a brief reminder, Crabb was the guy. The Nets signed to that massive, uh, Josh, correct me if I'm wrong, was a four-year, $75 million offer sheet last year? Um,
0: I think it was a, yeah, four-year, $75 Statton's Four $475 Four seventy $478
1: of one of those two. Um, or maybe not. Anyways, the Nets uh, signed him to that offer sheet. Portland kind of reluctantly goes in and says, all right, we'll, we'll give you 70 plus million, Alan Crabb, whatever. The salary cap is infinite now. Uh, they come to regret that as they build up one of the highest salary caps in the NBA with a number of players who disappointed on really bad deals. So they're in a situation where they kind of have to get rid of crab and, and we've been speculating this all summer that at some point, Sean Marks, once everything else was settled, and if he didn't get guys like Contavius Caldwell-Pope and Otto Porter— he was going to come calling, and it happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, it
0: makes sense for Portland to to try to shed Crabbe's salary. Uh, he's an important part of the rotation, but definitely not someone that is irreplaceable, and they need enough money next year in restricted free agency to sign Yusuf Nurkic to what would probably be a big offer if he keeps up his play next year of how he did once he was traded from Denver to Portland. So they need that money. Um, obviously, the Nets are very interested in Crab. It seems like he wants to be here he weighed his 15% trade kicker, which is always a good sign to get players that actually want to be on the team, as opposed to guys uh, back in the day like Darren Williams, uh, KG, and Paul Pierce.
1: Well, he clearly recognizes it's an opportunity for him to really attempt to expand his game because, as we're going to get into, he was relatively limited in Portland. Uh, someone who's kind of built his reputation, and the only reason, frankly, is getting paid like a star is, is that he's an elite three-point shooter. He made... 44% of his three-point attempts last season. That was the third-best mark in the NBA, um, second amongst all players who took over 110 three-pointers on the season. Um, overall statistics, 11 points, three rebounds, 47% from the field, 85% from the line. Um, really a pure catch-and-shoot player last year. 56% of his shots came in those situations. Um, so you, you got to figure he's going to be asked to create more of his own offense this year, 85% of his shots last season coming when he had the ball two seconds or less. So Josh, having watched him, do you see that potential there to expand his game a little bit more? And if not, is he still valuable to the Nets purely as a catch-and-shoot guy at that money?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much Crabb's going to develop his game and improve. I think that he's obviously going to have a lot more volume. His usage rate was extremely low, just Mainly a catch and shoot guy last year, as you mentioned, and he's very good at that. But for me, he needs to tighten up his handle a lot. His doesn't have. He's never shown much of a, a passing ability, even going back to his days at, uh, at California for college. So, and he needs to get to the line a lot more. So I don't really see the makings of a great scorer. But I think he's definitely a useful player, um, especially in Kenny Atkinson Atkinson system. He's a very quick release, and Andrew Nicholson wasn't going to give the Nets anything. Um, so Krav's definitely a huge improvement, whether or not he's um, deserves the money that he has. That's another point. Um, I'd like to get into that a little more. What do you think? Do you think that... I know a lot of people have discussed that Nicholson's uh, dead salary, about $6 million, kind of counteracts Krabs' $18 million salary. So you can look at him as just getting $12 million a year. Do you look at it that... Um, Logically, or what do you think? Yeah, well, I
1: I don't know I don't know um, if if, even if you got that from my notes directly because that's um, I'm so happy you said that, Josh, because that's exactly what I wrote down here. I said if you want to play kind of devil's advocate, or this is frankly kind of my perspective on it, he's a guy that like you have to look at him making 12 to 13 million dollars a year, unless you're looking at a scenario where you expected the Nets to allocate that money in a different area, and I guess that's a reasonable expectation. But even if you fast forward a year and the Nets are a little bit more of a budding franchise, they still don't have their first-round pick next season, and just because of that and because of the fact that e- even with the addition of Crab, I still don't expect them to be a playoff team or particularly close to a playoff team next year. Um, I don't think they're suddenly going to be a contender for top-notch or even maybe a tier below that free agents, and because of that, I don't mind spending money on a younger guy with upside, even if it's a little bit overpriced. So you, you take out the consideration that they were going to sign um, someone else to max, max money. They still... Have about twenty-six and a half million dollars in cap space next year, and again, you look at Crab as someone who, again, with Nicholson removed, making twelve to thirteen million dollars. That's about a three for thirty-seven million dollar a year deal, which is which is with how I expect him to improve. You could argue is a little bit of a steal.
0: Okay, um, I'm going to disagree with you a lot here. I think sure. that I I could see the logic if there's someone that I think can improve a lot, but I think Crab is kind of what he is. Um, He's a great shooter, a solid offensive player, but doesn't really give you that much on defense, and doesn't have uh, has a lot of limitations where he's not going to become like a go-to scorer or even a lead ball handler. Um, And I think that from the Nets' point of view, I would have asked for a lot more from Portland—maybe a protected first-round pick or some second-rounders at least—because they got a they needed to get rid of salary. Um, Their luxury tax bill was huge for a team that wasn't that is solid, is definitely a playoff team, but nothing more than like a seven or eight seed in the West. Um, so they really didn't have any leverage, and the Nets. I feel like Marks could have gotten a lot more assets there. Uh, Portland stretched Nicholson immediately, and they're going to save a lot of money. And I think that Crab is a good player, um, definitely someone that was important to them. But I feel like the Nets should have tried to get more um, because I don't know the current trade Nicholson for crab straight up isn't worth it to me.
1: All right, um, yeah. Let me let me make that clear. I really i i don't i don't love Crab the player. I, I definitely like crab the player but given the context of that deal I'm 100% with you I I don't get how the Nets didn't get a first round pick out of this situation given what you just described about Portland's cap situation combined with the fact was there any other team in the league that would have taken crab without getting a first round pick back
0: Uh, no like I don't think anyone would have Um, the Nets were the only team that could take crab into salary space salary cap space so They had such a huge advantage um, on Portland in these negotiations, but I guess that Sean Marks and Kenny Atkinson, they must love crab. I don't know if they love crab cakes, crab dip, (laughs) crab, all of that because they've been trying to get him here. Obviously last summer, Um, he didn't have the year that a lot of people would expect. Uh, People thought he was going to take a bit more of a leap, but obviously playing alongside, alongside Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, he doesn't have as much uh, creation opportunities, but honestly, like the Nets have a pretty crowded perimeter rotation now, and Crabb averaged about 29 minutes a game last year, and I don't see him getting more than that, uh, considering the logjam and considering that Kenny Atkinson doesn't like to play his guys extended minutes. Usually no one's playing more about th- more than about 32 minutes a night.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I-, I could see him hovering a little bit higher than that, 32, 33, 34, 35. I just think on a Nets team that doesn't have a ton of shooting and plays a system that emphasizing shooting over all else. I feel like he'll be an integral cog to so many different lineups that Kenny Atkinson can throw out there. And, and, and you look at their starting five on paper now, or at least what I assume their starting five is going to be, Jeremy Lin, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Alan Crabb, uh, Damari Carroll, Timofey Mozgov. That, that looks like a pretty good lineup offensively. Defensively, they're going to get shredded. But again, I don't think that was ever a realistic option for them to be great on D this year and, and maybe you, you could say that they could fit Rondé Hollis Jefferson onto the court a little bit more with that much shooting and that much spacing but I, I don't know I love the idea of Lynn and Russell breaking down the defense kicking out to someone like Crabb having shooting one through three one through four if Carroll can pick it up a little bit um, I, I think that lineup is really intriguing and and this isn't something I expected to say but could actually make the Nets pretty fun to watch for stretches next season.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Nets are going to be fun to watch. Their style is very entertaining up and down. Uh, even last year, they were fun to watch, in my opinion. Um, but I think that, I don't know, this team, the starting lineup you just gave me, it's kind of a worse version of Portland's starting lineup. Obviously, you have the main pieces in the backcourt, and Lillard and McCollum are just fantastic, and the Nets guys can only hope to get to that level. Um, and then, like, a similar player between Damari Carroll and Al Aminu, and then kind of the plotting center up front with Mozgov or Nurkic. Obviously, Nurkic is much more skilled, and... Um, especially offensively and more mobile. But I, I do see some similarities there. I think one thing that could be interesting with this Alan Crabb move is, let's say, Jeremy Lynn declines his player option for next year, um, and the Nets decide to let him go. I think that a, a point guard of D'Angelo Russell, shooting guard Alan Crabb, and Karis LeVert playing the three is actually an interesting mix of playmaking and shooting between those three guys. Uh, Crabb can play off them and be a very good catch-and-shoot player. And I think that defensively it puts him in a better a better chance to succeed. Because um, I think he could be a little bit better guarding ones and twos. It uh, doesn't really have the strength to guard threes, in my opinion. Um, and I think that with playing with Lillard and McCollum, those guys obviously are very limited defenders. Um, so there's less switching going on in Portland's system. So maybe coming to the Nets with that more aggressive uh, defensive scheme that could provide dividends for him. And he can really exceed his uh, potential on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. If if you surround him by guys like Lavert and Rondé, and which I think they'll do, or Carroll, which I think they'll do in certain lineups, he can make up for a lot of areas where he's intrinsically weak on defense just by the fact that he's six foot six and can, at the very least, run out and contest shots with some size and potentially recover on guys that he wouldn't be able to um, at at the three. So that that's pretty interesting to me. Um, Just to kind of uh, wrap this conversation up. Um, how, how would you grade the trade and how, how would you grade Sean Marks overall? Because we've seen him make a lot of moves this offseason. I'm stealing this from uh, Nets Reddit. But over the last year and a half since Sean took over, you have in on the Nets Karis Lavert, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell, Timofey Mozgov, Damari Carroll, Allen Crabb, a first-round pick and two second-round picks. And you lose Thad Young, Bojan Bogdanovic, Chris McCullough, Brooke Lopez, Um, 2017, uh, 27th pick, and Justin Hamilton. So out of everything they lost, the only long-term piece there, or or I guess something that was going to be part of the Nets for a while, was the 27th pick, and they brought in all that young talent.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, I thought Justin Hamilton was going to be the type of guy here that was going (laughs) to be here for 10 years, have his jersey retired in the Raptors.
1: Yeah, you know, I I saw it too.
0: Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, Marks, to me, has done a fantastic job. I would give him an A-. minus. He's done with a limited hand as good as he as he um, was able to do in terms of bringing blue-chip talent like D'Angelo Russell. And I don't love this trade. Personally, I w- would not have made it. I think it really limits the Nets' f- flexibility going forward, especially if they want to extend guys who will be a restrictive free agent soon, like a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, um, like a D'Angelo Russell. But I think that Marks has done a great job. And Crabb is certainly a talented player, and he's a huge improvement over Nicholson and will give the team... A little bit more flexibility going forward. So, given Crab's contract status, I don't love it, but I think that with the net situation going forward, they're not going to compete this year, next year, probably the year after that. They're, they can take some risks to tie up some salary cap um, and try to take a chance on a player that they clearly like and see if he fits the system and will develop going forward.
1: Yeah, and that's just the thing. I mean, they still have four or five million dollars to spend this season if if something comes up or some opportunity. Um, comes their way, $26.5 million to shell out of 2018-19. And then uh, final year of Krabs' contract, they only have $41 million on the book, so they could theoretically do anything they want. They're not tied down long-term. Obviously, if things go well, at a certain point, you're going to have to give Karis LeVert a lot of money. You're going to have to give D'Angelo Russell a lot of money. You're going to have to give Jared Allen quite a bit of money. So you you can't be totally tied up, but I, I think they they know what they're doing in the sense that all these guys—Mozgov, Crab, Carroll—you're you're paying them a combined 100 million in the next two years, but none of their contracts go past the next three. So there's there's a lot of flexibility down the road. There's not one of those contracts that'll totally kill you. And the Nets, for the first time in a while, I mean, you you could argue, as I think we have to some degree, that it's this isn't because of the Crab trade, but their future, I would say, is looking brighter than it has any point since they made that Celtics trade. Anyways, that will wrap up this episode of Locked On Nets. Before before I totally put the cap on it though, Josh, anything that uh grinded your gears in the last week or so? We didn't we didn't prepare for this at all, but I know you're you're normally a slightly perturbed individual like our like our hero Larry David, so I'm, I'm sure you have something.
0: Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I've been in a pretty good mood the last couple of days. Oh
1: wow, okay. That, I, I mean that, that's, that's nice.
0: No, I, I do have one thing. Sure. Humidity in general was is horrible. Yeah. Should and anyway, the the meteorologist can get on that and just eliminate it.
1: Well, it's called. I, uh, I mean, part of that is is global warming. Not to get too political here, but there are there are things you can do about okay. it down the road. Uh, uh, to Josh's chief complaint, though, um, yeah, there was we we were in DC over the weekend and it 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 was pretty awful. It was either storming or it felt like it was one hundred and ten degrees.
0: It, yeah, it was unbearable. Um, I felt like I was watching Jan Mahin me play after giving him a four-year, $64 million contract. Uh, it, was, it was that brutal.
1: Yeah, and part of our case to um, John Wall and Bradley Beal is that climate policy is going to be better in Brooklyn than it is in uh, in the D.C. area, and it's going to be seventy degrees year round here within two years. So get on that, Brooklyn. Maybe you get John Wall when his contract expires for Josh Bass. I'm Gavin Shaw. Encourage you to check out the entirety of the Locked On NBA Podcast Network. A lot of exciting offseason stuff going around. Uh, subscribe to us on uh, Audio Boom, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave some comments. We're going to try to be on Stitcher within the next. A uh, week or two weeks, uh, depending on how conversations with our chief uh, David Locke go on that front. Finally, we're going to have a mailbag podcast uh, sometime in the next two or three days, so be on the lookout for that. Peace out. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network.